I'm going to read out of the book of Proverbs. You're welcome to turn your Bibles there. If not, you can look on the screen. And it says, for a righteous man, Proverbs 24, verse 16, a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again. For a righteous man, you could slash women, a righteous man or woman may fall seven times and rise again. I want to speak to you this day about a strange description of a righteous man. This is a strange description of a righteous man. And we're going to talk about that today. I've already prayed, so turn to your neighbor and say, you're good looking, and just go ahead and sit down. Thank you again so much for coming. Would you give the worship team one more round of applause? Would you do it? You know, no matter how you're raised and no matter what upbringing you come from, there are certain things that you were raised in and certain things that you remember when you were growing up. I was raised in Sacramento, and as a little boy, I wasn't raised in church. I was the youngest of all my brothers. I was the baby of the family. And when I was a young man, you know, we used to play games. And, you know, boys, they do stuff. You know, they're adventurous. They fight. And we, we played crazy games. I'm not going to tell you all the games because I don't want you to, to uh, get in trouble by doing it in the 21st century or this day, because some of those things wouldn't at all be good or kosher. But one of the games we played when I was a little boy, now, mind you, I was a husky little guy. I mean, before I was in the sixth grade, I was already uh, wearing 36 waist pants. And my mama used to have to go to Kmart and get me huskies. And then they were, they were called huskies. And so I would tell her, take the husky off and put Levi on there. I don't want to wear Huskies. I want to wear Levi's like everybody else. The first fist fight I ever got into because my mom brought me these shoes from Kmart. They were called track shoes. They, the tracks were the name. And my brothers were, they thought they'd play a trick on me. Remember, I was the baby. And they, they told me that I had Nike Cortezes on. So they, they began to, I couldn't read yet that it said tracks. And so they, they said, those are awesome Nike Cortezes that you got on. So I would go to school, my elementary school busting out my Nike Cortezes, and then I would tell the kids, look at these new Nikes, and they would, you got first fist fight I ever got into. But we used to have a game that we used to play around that house with our neighbors and the friends that I was raised called Punch Out. Punch Out was a game that is not for the weary. Punch Out was a, a thing we would do, all boys and the kids in the neighborhood. We would tie one hand behind your back. We'd put a boxing glove on the other hand, lights off, and who the lights go off, and it's punching time. And you punch, punch, punch until somebody's out. Hence the word punch out. And so I was pretty good. I was the baby member Husky, and I was punching people out. And this particular day, there was this kid. This was a real skinny kid, and they, he began to challenge me. They challenged me and said, I'll punch you out. And I'm like, you are so skinny, I'll push you over with a feather. I will hit you. You know, you're talking trash, raised where I was. There. I'll hit you so hard, your ancestors will wake up. This little skinny kid, we put on the gloves, lights out, and I got to be honest with you, all of a sudden something happened to me that never happened to me before. That little skinny kid caught me right on the jaw and I saw stars. 
I think I saw constellations. It was so, I mean, one punch, one solid punch buckled me down. I, it's so funny. The right spot that made me buckle, I went down. That was one tough girl. Punch me. But do you know, that really happened, by the way. Do you know that that can happen spiritually also. The Bible says no weapon formed against us shall prosper, but the enemy knows how to form weapons in our individual lives. He knows what it will take to get you off course and you off course and me off course. He knows our, our, our issues and he knows how to go after them. He knew I would have an issue with patience and have an issue with having certain attitudes. I'll never forget flying home from Israel. And I have a wonderful privilege, Jennifer and I, of uh, being a part of Christians United for Israel. And those of you that are new with us, we are the state directors. Uh, this ministry is for all of California for Kufi, which is four million strong for advocacy for the nation and the state of Israel and the people of Israel. And as a result of that, yeah, that's pretty good. Your church is a part of that. And as a result of that, yearly or sometimes bi-yearly, I have the wonderful privilege to take lead and senior pastors from all over America, primarily though California, on special trips to Israel. And so this particular time, I led a trip of 33 senior pastors of all different denominations to Israel. So many of them, it was their first time. Certainly they were never there on a trip like we provide for Kufi. And so we went to the Holy Land. We had a phenomenal time and we just really, really caught what was going on there and just had a wonderful time. But if you've ever flown far, Israel is 15 hours one way. And on the way home, it's even further. And so we were flying home. The pastors are with me. The plane is filling up and I am praying to God. I'm saying, God, I've had a long week. Please don't let nobody sit next to me. You know, if you've ever flown long periods of time, 15 hours, I mean, I was tired. I was, I was worn down from leading the trip. And I was praying that, God, you love me. You know I love your people, Israel. You know I love pastors. Help me by not letting anybody sit beside me. And all of a sudden, planes filling up. And you cannot buy on international flights. You cannot upgrade unless you spend like $8 billion. I mean, it's astronomical to upgrade your flight. So I'm sitting in coach, and I'm praying, and, and I'm even praying in the Spirit. Nobody sit beside me, Lord. And all of a sudden, this man of girth, he comes, and I think he's going to pass me on by. But friends, I got to tell you, he doesn't. He sits right beside me. And there are certain things that happen when you're on a flight. Men, hear me today. There are certain boundaries that you have when you're on a flight. First rule of thumb, who's ever in the seat first takes dominion of the armrest. I was in the seat first, so dominion of the armrest are mine. So I'm sitting down, the man of girth is next to me, and I'm not a little fella, and we're by each other. I've got my boundaries, I've got my elbows on the armrest, but this man has no sense of reality. He starts bumping me and taking my armrest, and now I'm starting to lose my composure. Here I am leading a pastor's trip. I pull out my Bible thinking I'm going to get really spiritual and calm down, but it began to get worse 
worse because then he did a pet peeve of mine. He starts eating openly, but it's not the pet peeve of eating openly. He's chomping chips with his mouth open. He's taking my armrest. He's bumping me off. He's eating chips openly. His greasy hands are hitting his computer. I'm reading the Bible, and I'm 100% in the flesh. And it dawned on me. It was that punch by that little girl. It reminded me when I was a little boy, and I thought, is this it? Is this how easy it is to take the man of God out? One bumping elbow guy, chomping chips, punching his greasy computer. Is this what it takes to take me out of the game? And I heard the Holy Spirit whisper, yeah, that is. It's that easy to take you out. And it reminded me. You know, honesty is really attractive, isn't it, for you? You're like, I know I was messed up, but not as messed up as that bald guy. But then I thought about the words as I was losing my composure. I thought about the words of C.S. Lewis. And C.S. Lewis wrote something that I've never forgotten. He said, God doesn't need your good works, but your neighbor does. God doesn't need our good works, but our neighbor does. I felt like I was failing just by my attitude because I had a bad one. How many of you know reading the Bible with an attitude just never works? Now, does that thinking determine my salvation, whether I'm saved or not? Of course it doesn't. Nor does that type of thinking determine whether I'm godly or not. But many times I would think in the past, that type of attitude, that type of personality trait, that type of thinking would determine whether I'm godly or whether I'm righteous or unrighteous. See, sometimes I thought that. I really did. Until I looked at this passage of Scripture, a strange description of a righteous person, and it made me realize, for a righteous man may fall seven times, but he will rise up again. That doesn't make sense to me. As a matter of fact, it's kind of unbelievable if you read it in its totality. Shouldn't it say, a wicked man shall fall seven times, not a righteous man. The righteous fall. I thought if you were righteous, you don't fall or you seldom fall. A strange description of a righteous person. And then it uses the word seven times, seven times. Well, maybe you only get seven times to be angry at the elbow guy. And after the seventh time, the eighth time comes, now you're no longer righteous, you're unrighteous. But when you study it out, Really, seven is just a numerical number, but it's a Hebrewism. And what that simply means is Nebuchadnezzar throwing the three Hebrew children in the fiery furnace. The scriptures say the hot, the, the fire's heat was how hot? Seven times hotter. That's another Hebrewism. How many know there wasn't a dial on the fiery furnace? And Nebuchadnezzar said, heat it to seven, not six. Don't go past eight. No, seven times hotter. It was a word for it was hot. It was hot, hot. That's what David said in Psalms 119, verse 164. He said, seven times a day, I will praise you, O Lord. Now, did David say, I'm going to praise God two in the morning, three in the afternoon, and two in the evening? No, it's a Hebrewism. It means all throughout the day, I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm going to honor God. There's a lot of times when we think, when we mess up and when we blow 
blow it. We're no longer praising God. But I want you to know that's not the case of a righteous person falling down and failing seven times. A righteous man will find himself. A righteous person will find himself falling a whole bunch of times in their Christian walk. It's just reality. How many of you have made a whole bunch of mistakes? Can I see your hand? Man, we're in a good congregation. How many of you like me are seven times fallers like myself in this room today? You know, they used to go out in the neighborhood and go, I'm a baller, I'm a baller. No, no, we're seven times fallers in the house of God. We, we're not balling, we're falling. And if you're balling, you need to be falling. Anyway, that's another message for another day. But if you're a seven times faller, you have to realize that failing doesn't determine whether I'm a righteous person. You know, I thought a righteous person would never fail or never fail often. In other words, it wouldn't do it very often. Definitely not a lot of times. I think a better verse at Proverbs 24 should go this way. If I was writing the Bible and if it was Joey writing it, it would say a righteous man will hardly fall. And sometimes he will. But when he does once in a while, he'll get back up. That sounds a lot better to me when I read it out loud like I want to say it. But some of us believe the lie. That if we are righteous, then we're failure free. And when we blow it, then we are unrighteous. If we're righteous, that means we're failure free. And when we're unrighteous, that means because we've blown it. But there's nothing further from the truth. As a matter of fact, it, it's amazing to me how the Bible clarifies the, this definition of what righteousness really is. I thought a, a religious person, a righteous person, a godly person would blow it less and less and less. But the Bible corrects it. As a matter of fact, it tells us that a righteous person is not defined by the failings, but by his rising up again. That's what determines if you are righteous, not by you falling down and lying there, but something inside you says, get up and get after it one more time. That's amazing that even though we get clocked once in a while and we buckle and we fall and we have bad attitudes and we have dire situations and separations and family issues and financial issues and clerical issues and uh, all types of stuff, I thought if it's not failing, that then I'm, I'm righteous. And when I'm failing, I'm not righteous. But it's not the qualification. It's you rising after you have failed. That determines whether God is inside of us or not. What Abraham Lincoln said is amazing because our 16th president said this about, about you getting up again. He says, my greatest concern is not whether you have failed, but that you have been content with your failure. I never want to be content with my bad attitude with elbow guy. I never want to be content with falling down and just saying there. I never want to be content with just being mediocre or less than. I want something inside of me to rise back up and say, get after it one more time, Joey. Strike the water again and try it one more time. You see, that's what defines a righteous man or a righteous woman. Not if they fail, but if they rise up again. Now listen to me. You are not a failure because you failed. 
You are not a failure because you failed. You're still a believer. You're still a Christian. You're still loved by God. If you failed and you're sitting in that seat today, it means that you just got to get back up again. Capture what God has been trying to do in you. You still live for Jesus. You're not going to be content with just staying down and living life less than. There are two unchangeable facts. One, we as righteous people, as believers, we blow it and mess up. But the other fact is we have the Spirit of God on the inside that says, get back up one more time. Now think about this. If you're here today and maybe you feel like I've let God down. Joey, you don't understand the mistakes I've made raising my children. You don't understand the mistakes I've made in my business, in my home, with my family. You don't understand the mistakes I've made and how I've become addicted to this substance. I want you to understand you're here today and maybe you feel like you've let God down. You have not. You're wrong. You haven't let God down. God is cheering you on and he's telling you, get back up and do what I've called you to do and do what you're supposed to do. Don't just lay there and say, God hates me. God's angry with me. Oh, no, no, no. He's put his spirit on the inside of you. That's why this flies in the face of religious people, because religious people will go, God loves you, but if you ever have someone tell you God loves you, but you need to show them yours and run. God loves you, but you need to live right. God loves you, but you know, you shouldn't be doing that. God loves you, but anytime they attach the butt to it, you need to show them yours and leave the situation. God loves you in spite of you, in spite of what you've gone through. He loves you, and he doesn't want you to stay down. He wants you to get back up again. You are loved of Almighty God. God's in you, the hope of glory. God's going, no, 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 I put my spirit on the inside of you. Get back up and try it one more time. Now think about this. Today is a get back up kind of day. I really believe that. It's a rise up kind of day and do what you're supposed to do. No matter how many times you've messed up or blown it, listen to the message translation out of Proverbs 24. No matter how many times that you trip up, God's loyal people don't stay down long. I love that. And soon they will be back up on their feet again. It's so important to not judge people on their fallings. To not judge them when they fail. Their judging needs to be if they're getting back up again. That determines if they're righteous or not. Not their falling, not their failures, but their ability to get back up one more time. That's the qualification to know if we're believers or not. And see, that just flies in the face of religious people. They just cannot wrap their head around that type of message because they say, if you say stuff like that, Joey, and the platform God's given you, it gives people a license to sin, a license to live like hell and do all this crazy stuff. Can I just tell you what the verse does for a person like me? It still gives me hope. Even when I get clocked in the chin and I got an issue, God says, get back up and try it one more time. I think that's pretty amazing. I understand today when you look at all your faults and you stay down, the faults of your children, the faults that you're going through. And if you look at all those faults, you'll just end up staying down. But when you look at your father and you look at his great love for you, it'll give you the strength to rise back up again. It really will. As we close this time this morning, I want you to understand falling is never final. Falling is never final and failing is not fatal. Falling is never final and failing is not 
fatal. Say that three times and see how tongue twisted you get. Falling is never final and failing is not fatal. If you are a believer, falling is not fatal and failing is not final. You're a believer. God's put the inside on you. He has you in the palm of his hand. That's where the Bible says the Lord has sworn by the right arm of his strength. That's where we get the handshake from. God says, I've graven you upon the palm of my hand. God knows you, every bit of you. He knows the intricate workings of you. Before you were born in your mother's womb, God already knew you. He created you. He's graven you on the palm of his hand. He has you with his mighty grip. Years ago, my Daughters and I and Jennifer, we went to the ocean and my little daughter, her, my youngest, was probably four to five at the time. And she wanted to go out into the waves at the ocean. He said, Daddy, take me to the ocean. I want to go see the I want to go feel the waves. And so we would get closer to the waves and she'd go, Daddy, hold my hand so I don't get cast away. And so we would go closer to the waves. And that little that little girl, she was so cute. She would she would go and say, OK, Daddy, let me go and see if I can maintain my own. And we were like in a little puddle and she would just she was a she is a drama queen. She's still it. But she was just the waves would come and they'd just be like here. And she'd be like, oh, my God. She'd fall down and she'd get back up and she would act all dramatized. And she'd she'd grab me by the hand again and she'd say, Daddy, let's go a little deeper. But you know what happened? The more deeper and the more severe the waves got, I no longer let go of her hand. As a matter of fact, I held her by the hand, even though the waves were hitting and crashing. The, the, the waves couldn't overtake her because her daddy had her by his hand. I want you to know the Bible says the steps of the good man, Psalms 37, 23, the steps of a good woman are established by the Lord and God delights in his way. But listen to the next verse of scripture. And though when he falls, he will not hurl headlong because the Lord is the one who holds his hand. What a great picture. God's got you by the hand. You're not going to go head first. He's going to lift you up so the waves won't crash against you. They're not going to take you out. And maybe you feel like the enemy's clocking you right now and he's hitting you with those, those one shots and you're being broken down on the side of the road. It's time to get fixed and start moving again. Just like we had to get pulled out of the mud to start moving again. It's time that you get fixed and start moving again. When I used to travel uh, full time, I would drive a lot of miles and I never had really new cars or uh, I'd try to keep them clean and nice. But my, some of my cars, when I traveled, when I was younger, uh, I would travel like three and a half weeks out of the month. So I was constantly traveling, ministering different places, flying out of state once a month. But when I used to travel, I, I always had nicknames for my cars and most of my cars were named Shanita. She needed brakes. She needed muffler. She needed I always had awesome may pop tires, may pop at any time. But every time my car would break down, I would always, as a man, I would get out of the car, I'd pop the hood, and I'd act like I knew what was going on under there. Like, this is bad. And then I would say crazy stuff like, I could fix this if I had the right tools. I couldn't fix it if Mr. Goodwrench gave me his tools. But I thought, I, you know, I, I put the front on. But then I did something amazing that every person who drives any distance should do. I bought for one time a year a AAA card. 
And every time Shanita would break down, I would call the 1-800 number and the guy or the girl would pull up in the truck, pop the hood, and I would look at them and go, it's bad, isn't it? They go, yeah. I'd go, I could fix it if I brought my tools, but you brought your tools, right? Well, since they're your tools, why don't you go ahead and fix it? And you know what would happen? Because they had the right tools, they knew how to fix that vehicle every single time to get it back on the road. Reminds me of the story of Henry Ford, who created Ford Motor Company. Henry Ford designed the first Model T in production in the late 1800s and 1900s. And one day, Henry Ford was driving home, and he saw one of the cars that he had made and manufactured on the side of the road. The car was broke down. The man was trying to fix the car. Henry Ford pulled up. The man didn't know it was Henry Ford that was asking if he needed help. And the guy says, I don't know what's wrong with this car. It won't work. It won't start. And Henry Ford made that car run in a matter of minutes. The guy was amazed. But what the guy didn't realize that the the manufacturer of the car was there. He knew every intricate part to get that car working because he created that car and he designed that car. You see, your manufacturer is the Holy Spirit. He made you. He created you. He's designed everything about you. No matter if you're broken down on the side of the road, he will pick you back up and get you back moving again because he has you in the palm of his hand. He knows exactly what it's going to take to get you on the road again. And that's why the Bible says when the Holy Spirit comes aside of us, that That's when he comes to help us. We don't know, but he does. He does. He knows exactly. And maybe you feel like you're broken down on the side of the road. You can't move. You can't fix yourself. You can't fix your family. Then you need to let go and let God take you and help you have the strength to rise back up again and start moving in the right direction.